Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. I was talking to Brother Robert Winters. He sent out an email to his Sunday school class and uh, talking about what was the the message or what the lesson was going to be for um, this morning's Sunday school. So if you're a Sunday school class, I'm just going to give you another disclaimer. We've done this before. We did not have a conversation on what was going to be taught or preached beforehand. Um, He sent it out Thursday after the message was already uh, prepared. Uh, I had to put some finishing things on it uh, on Saturday, but um, the message was already together. And so I I just, whenever the Lord does this, I I want us to really understand, I believe God's trying to tell us something. Um, if, If it happens like that where there are lessons across the spectrum or there's you know, some, sometimes people send me devotions like it happened last week, too. Uh, I preached on uh, Wednesday night, and then uh, a devotion that several people get in their email on Thursday morning came out, and I got a, a text, did you see the devotion this morning? And so, uh, again, I, I believe exactly what we talked about last week in the Sunday morning message, uh, God's confirmations are so sweet. Man, sometimes when God says, listen, I'm trying to tell you something, then he confirms it. Uh, without ever any collaboration happening, then I think it's so important for us to listen to what God has to say. And so again, this morning, we're going to see that. And I hope that you are willing to be open-hearted, open-eared, just willing to receive what God has for you. Because I believe that it will be something that is helpful or encouraging. Maybe it'll be challenging. Maybe it'll be convicting. But it's the Word of God. And so I I hope that you, you receive it as such. So Last week, as I said, we were talking about how God's promises are sure and his confirmations are sweet. Uh, we've been looking and, and, and seeing how God's been working in the lineage, the life, and we'll eventually look at the legacy of Joseph, this character in, in the Bible. And again, over and over and over, we've seen God do things in his life that are applicable to our lives. And last week, again, it was no exception. We talked about how sometimes those confirmations God gives us um, are just the extra, the, 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 the topping to amazing things that God has promised us already in his word. We realize that God doesn't have to confirm anything in our life, but he does. And that's the amazing thing. He, he has all of his promises, all of his truths are contained in the word of God. And then there are times that he says, look, I'm going to show you this is the case. I'm going I'm I'm to give you an extra blessing and confirm something in your life. We talked about what they are and what they're not. And that's the, that's the things that we have to remember. So if you weren't here, uh, it's on YouTube. You can get it on a podcast. I encourage you to, to listen to that because so many people oftentimes are wondering what they're supposed to do in life. They're wondering what decision they're supposed to make. And so many times people are looking for something extra. I need, I need a sign. I need God to show me something. And uh, God has already provided enough information already in his word. But we're looking for something else, or we're looking for something more. Sometimes we're looking for something that is more pleasing to us than it is to God. And so, again, if, if maybe you're in a place in your life where you're saying, I need God to show me. I need God to tell me something. I need God to confirm something. Um, I encourage you to listen to that message last week, because sometimes we're looking for something that uh, we shouldn't be. Uh, sometimes God, again, has already told us in his word what we need to know. Uh, but again, what we saw was this reunion with Jacob, who his name has been changed to Israel, and uh, Israel is the nation that God 
chose to raise up uh, to be an example to all nations. Jacob had 12 sons. One of his sons was Joseph. Joseph had gone to Egypt, had been imprisoned, had been betrayed by his brothers. Now he is the governor of all of Egypt. Pharaoh has entrusted him with everything. His brothers come to Egypt to get substance because there's famine in the land. And so he finally reveals himself to them and says, I want you to go back and get dad uh, and bring him here. Pharaoh finds out about it. Pharaoh says, yeah, you need to bring them back here and I'm going to bless them uh, because they're your family. And so what happened, we saw, was Jacob came, Joseph, his son, was reunited with him. And again, that was the confirmation of the promise God had even made to Abraham uh, many years before that. And so uh, that was the point that we looked at. And this morning is not going to be any different as we see a little bit more into Joseph's life, a little bit more into his character, and a little bit more into, again, who he was and what we can glean from that. So let's pray. And we'll get into that. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for allowing us to be here again. And we thank you so much for what we've already experienced, Lord. We've been able to celebrate you and, and praise you and uh, rejoice together as a people. And uh, Lord, we just ask that you continue to move in our presence. Lord, we need you here. Uh, we don't want to do something, go through motions. We don't go through rituals. Uh, we truly want your spirit to move in this place. We want your word to go out and have free course in every single one of our lives. And Lord, if there's somebody here, as we've been praying all morning long, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a personal relationship with you, Lord, they, they don't really know where they're going to spend eternity. They're not quite sure what happens after life. Lord, if they're here and they're like that, I pray that you'd speak to them this morning and show them your love. Show them what you've done for them. They would hear the good news that you came and you died, the death that they deserve, Lord, that we all deserve. You paid the price for our sins. You rose again, and again, through you and you alone, we can have eternal life. If, again, if somebody's never accepted that truth, accepted that free gift, that today would be that, that, uh, that time that they did it before they leave this place. And God, just speak to our hearts, and we'll praise you for it. We'll ask and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> if you have your Bibles, you can turn it to Genesis chapter 46, and uh, follow along. We're going to read several scriptures. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, or you don't have an app on your phone or digital device, you can follow along on the screen for the most part, I think. We're going to pick up in verse 31 of chapter 46, and it says this, And Joseph said unto his brethren unto, and unto his father's house, I will go up and show Pharaoh and say unto him, My brethren, my father's house, which are in the land of Canaan, are come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their trade hath been to feed cattle, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and all that they have. And it shall come to pass, when Pharaoh shall call you, his, his family, and shall say, or shall ask you, what's your occupation, that you will say, thy servant's trade hath been about cattle, or taking care of cattle from our youth, even until now. That's who we are, that's what we do. We, we keep uh, livestock. Both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination unto the Egyptians, which is an interesting point, right? So, so keep that in your mind. Verse, uh, chapter 47, verse 1, Then Joseph came to, and told Pharaoh. So let me just, I know we got a lot of guests and, and people have been out of town, so I just want to just refresh your memory. Again, what I said a while ago, uh, Joseph has, has been reunited with his, with his dad, Jacob. Jacob thought he was dead for over 20 years. And so now they have come to this land in Egypt, and specifically, they were told that they were going to be given this land of Goshen. 
So Joseph is wanting to make sure that his family is taken care of. So he tells them, this is how it's going to go. We're going to go, we're going to meet with Pharaoh, and he's going to ask what you do. It's important that you tell him, this is what you do. And there's a reason why he did that. So let's look. My father and my brethren, he tells Pharaoh, and their flocks, their herds, and all that they have are coming out of the land of Canaan. Behold, they are in the land of Goshen, which is what Pharaoh said he would give them. And he took some of his brethren, even five of them, and presented them to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said to his brethren, here it is, what is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, thy servants are shepherds, both we and also our fathers. They said, moreover unto Pharaoh, for to sojourn in the land are we, to, are we come. We're here uh, to, to, to be uh, you know, strangers in the land, if you will. For thy servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray you, we beg you, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And Pharaoh spoke unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are coming to thee, and the land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and thy brethren to dwell. Did you hear that? Again, Joseph was a slave when he came to Egypt. And God promoted him to the second in charge. We would say the prince of Egypt. He's the governor of all of Egypt. Pharaoh has given uh, Joseph control of every part of Egypt. Matter of fact, the Bible told us in, in an earlier chapter that Pharaoh didn't even know what was going on, didn't even know what he had because Joseph had control of all of it. And so now he's saying, listen, I want you because this is your family and because you have come and, and have this need, I want you to give them the very best of the land and make them live there. In the land of Goshen, let them dwell. If thou knowest any men of activity or the capable men among them, then I want you to make them rulers over my cattle. Not just the flocks that they brought, not just the livestock that they had, but I want you to make sure that they take care of my stuff too. Again, I, I don't know if, if any of this is, is sticking out to you or hits you uh, in, in any certain way, but Joseph had been, as I said, extremely blessed. God had given him favor God had given him opportunity. God had blessed Joseph in ways I know that Joseph couldn't have ever imagined. And so now he's telling his family, he's giving them directions, and he's giving them his desires that he wanted them to experience the very best of what God had to offer as well. And so he says, I want, him, I want you to make sure that you tell Pharaoh this. Now, why, why is this so important for them to have told Pharaoh that they were shepherds? The Bible says a couple different reasons. Number one, the land of Goshen was the best part of the land of Egypt. That was where you would want your, your livestock. That was where you would want your herds to be. Number two, he said, make sure you tell him that you're shepherds because the Egyptians think that shepherds are an abomination. They let their hair grow. They eat of the land. They, 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 they tend to livestock. And for the Egyptians, that was a little bit under them. And so in doing so, Jake, uh, Joseph was ensuring that his family would have their own place, have their own uh, ability to worship God, to serve God. Basically, they would be a people in a foreign land unto God. Think about that. They would be a people unto God in a foreign land. It's exactly what God had promised before. And if you think about us today who are the children of God, that's who we are. We're a people unto God in a foreign land. And so Joseph was making sure that his family, he was ensuring that his family would experience these blessings. Again, namely these provisions that are found in the land of Goshen. It was the opportunity that Joseph had 
in his hand to bless his family, and he did it. He blessed his family when it was in his hand to do so. Again, God had been so good to Joseph. God had given him favor. And some people would look at, in, in a pessimistic way, his life, and they would say, man, I don't know if God's been really good to Joseph because he's been thrown in a pit. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. He's been abandoned. He's been away from his family for 20 years. He's been lied about. He's, I mean, he's been forgotten in prison. He's had a really rough life. But look what God brought him through and brought him to. Now he's, again, the second, he's over all of Egypt, and he has this amazing opportunity to be a blessing with the blessings that God has given to him, even to those who had wronged him. Now remember this. These are those same brothers that Joseph has already forgot, uh, forgiven. These are those same brothers that, that, that forgot him, that betrayed him, that uh, all those things happened. These are those brothers now Joseph saying, I'm going to be a blessing to you because it's in my hand to do so. The question I have for us this morning is this. How are you blessing others? What blessings are in your hands and how are you using them to bless others? Or better yet, how are you using your blessings? How are you using the blessings that God has given you? I would go even further into this and say how generous are you to God the one who's been so generous to you <clears throat> the life point this morning in your notes if you if you have notes hopefully you do if you have a, a digital device you can also get on our group and you can have a digital one if you want to uh, but in the notes there it says this True blessings are found in giving. True blessings are found in giving. In Scripture, we're never given an example of simply living, gathering, and then never giving to others. We're never given an example in Scripture like that, a good example. We're never given a good example of a reluctant giver. Matter of fact, when we see pictures of people in Scripture who are living like this, who are just getting everything they can get and living for themselves and never being mindful of giving to the Lord or giving to others. When we see people like that, there is a really bad end to it. And one particular example I want to look at this morning, Luke chapter 12, it says this, someone in the crowd said to him in verse 13, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? He said to them, take care and be on, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So Jesus was telling this story about this, this rich man. He says, listen, you need to make sure that you are on guard, that you don't give your life over to covetousness, to desiring things that you don't have. Don't give your life over to that. And he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I mean, look at what I have. I have nowhere to store my crops. All of my crops are abundant. All of my barns are full. Everything I have, I am living high on the hog. That's extra, but that's what he was saying. Verse 18, and he said, I will, I will do this. This is what I'm going to do because I have so much. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build larger barns. And there I will store all my grain and all, good, all my goods. And then I'm going to say to myself, my soul, soul, 
You have ample goods laid up for many years. Sounds like a retirement plan, right? Relax, eat, drink, be merry. That's the American dream, right? Uh-oh. Why is there no amens? No, no. So you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? Not yours anymore. And listen to what he says. So is the one, or so also is the one, who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, that's not a subject we like to live, uh, like to talk about in, in prosperous America, in the American dream land, <laughs> the, the, the land of the American dream. We don't like to talk about this subject, but it is something that is driving our, our world. It's something that drives so many, and, and maybe some in here. We, we live to get and gain. We, we look at what we can, we can have, and, and that becomes the consumption of all of our thoughts and desires. I mean, I'm not trying to knock you if you have, you've been trying to prepare for retirement or that you enter retirement. I'm, I'm not saying that. So that's, that's, where, that's where we all are desiring to go is to where we can, we can sit back in those years of our life where we, where we can't really work and, and provide anymore, get to that point in our life where we work so long and that we can just sit back and relax the rest of our days. But that's not what God has called us to. God is not, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with having the blessings. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with, with, with being in a stage of your life where you can't work and you can't do those things anymore. But it's never just to sit back and do nothing. God has you still on this earth for his glory and his purpose. And he wants us to use the blessings that he's given us, even in that, that stage of our life, to honor him. It's a great miscalculation, it's a great misjudgment to think that we should just get and gain and then never give, or even to give stingily, or to give reluctantly. It's a great misjudgment to do that. So I, I'm just gonna make sure and take care of my own. Listen, we'll get into that in just a second, but Jesus reminded the 12 that it's not good to live in a stingy way or to live in a, in a, in a, in a way to give reluctantly. In Matthew chapter 10, he was telling the, the, the 12 as he was sending them to the lost house of Israel. In verse 7, he says, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's, it, it's, it's here, it's now. He said, Go and heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out dev devils. And then he said this principle. Freely you have received, freely give. That's the principle by which every child of God should be living. In every area of our life. Now, I'm not just talking about the financial giving. I'm talking about with what we have, we have been freely given to. God has been so good to us in so many ways. You know, there are nations around. I mean, there's, there's countries and, and, and nations and, 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 and some close to even continents around this world where it is illegal for the gospel to go out. It's, it's illegal to have a copy of the word of God. We don't know anything else other than to be able to, oh, I want to go to the store and buy a Bible. I want, to, I, want to, I want to find out what God has to say. I want to know what all this Christianity is about. People can seek and, and they can find out and they can find answers from the God of all creation. He's preserved his truths, his words for all of mankind, and we have them still today. And in this country, we have open, free access to it. 
That's an amazing blessing. I promise you this, if we could talk to some of our brothers and sisters who are in those restricted countries, who are in persecution, one of the greatest blessings that they would tell us they wish they had was the blessing that we're experiencing right now. I'm able to gather in, in the Lord's name, unashamed, unafraid, having his word. We could walk out these doors and talk to the first person we see and tell them that Jesus loves them and not fear that we'd be thrown in prison or stoned or killed. Amazing blessings. Freely we have been given. Freely received, we should freely give. Again, the greatest gift we were given, the greatest was given because of and in love. And it was the glory of all of creation, all of heaven. That was the greatest gift that we've been given. John chapter 1, it says this, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The Word, being Jesus Christ, dwelt among us. And we, look what he says, And we beheld his glory. We saw the glory as of the only begotten of the Father. We saw the glory of God in our presence with our own eyes, full of grace and truth. We saw the image, the very image of God in flesh. We saw him. The glory of God, God sent him to us. And that's what John, a couple chapters later in John chapter 3, it says, God so loved, again I said of love and in love, he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The greatest gift ever given by anyone was given by God to us. Sending his son to this earth to live a sinless life so that he could be the spotless lamb, the sacrifice that would shed his blood that would cover every sin of every man that would ever live. And he did it. He could have walked away. He could have said no some other way, but he didn't. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. And 2,000 years ago, after that death, they put him in a grave, but he rose again. And he is the only way that we can have eternal life. And he offers that eternal life as a gift, the Bible says, for all who would believe. Anyone who would receive him, anyone who would, who would say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of living for myself. I'm tired of living for sin. I'm tired of living for the world because it always brings me heartache. It always brings me back to hurt. It always brings me back to disappoint, disappointment. So I'm going to turn my life, uh, 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 turn away from my life, and I'm going to turn it over to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to let him be my Lord. I want him to be my Lord. I want him to be my Savior. And the moment we do that, the Bible says that he gives us the gift of eternal life. When we wonder or seek for what our giving to God or what our giving to others should look like. What, so, so what should our giving look like? If, if God gave the greatest gift and you're talking about that we shouldn't give stingily or we shouldn't give reluctantly or we shouldn't be living to just get and gain what we can have in this life, what should our giving then look like? Our giving should be in light of that extravagant gift that God gave. That gift of his only begotten son. That's what our giving should be driven by and that's what it should reflect so we've got to understand this truth god gives us blessings to enjoy it's in his word that he gives us blessings to enjoy but not just to enjoy he gives us blessings to also give god blesses us and we have these blessings, and, and he wants us just like when, when, when we give things to our children we want them to enjoy those blessings but we also want them to learn things in that, that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. 
God has been so good to us. And that's what Acts chapter 20, verse 35 says. Man, if we never learn that in our life, we're missing a huge blessing in living on this earth. If you live your life in such a way that you are looking for people to give only to you, you're missing some of the greatest blessings that God has on this earth. I'm telling you, Jesus himself, God himself says, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So if you think it's cool to receive, think it's more blessed to give. Sometimes it's a, it's a matter of changing our perspective. Sometimes it's a matter of changing our, of our heart being changed. Sometimes it's a matter of affections, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But the Apostle Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and there were some saints in Jerusalem that were in need. And the saints uh, were poor saints. They, uh, the church in Jerusalem had blown up. It had dispersed. When I say blown up, it, it, a lot of people were there. And, um, and so, but they had been dispersed, but it still was kind of the epicenter. And so there was a lot of people there, and there was a lot of poor there. Uh, that's even seen in the, the beginning of Acts. But uh, so Paul is writing to the churches and saying, hey, I need to take a collection to, for the saints in Jerusalem, the poor saints in Jerusalem. And so he's telling the Corinthian church, uh, he's, he's writing them in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 about this offering that he's getting ready to get and take back to those poor saints in Jerusalem. And so chapter 9, verse 1, it says, now it's superfluous, or, or uh, I'm sorry, superfluous. Uh, it's, it's extra, it's excess for me to, to write to you about the ministry for the saints. It's, I, I, don't have to, um, I don't have to do this. It's, it's kind of excess to do it. But because I know your readiness, I, I know you're ready for this. And I'm boasting about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them. You hear that? Okay, so he's talking about this offering that he's going to take, uh, he's going to collect by these churches and take back to the, the church in Jerusalem for the poor uh, saints there. And he says, I, I, I've been telling the churches in Macedonia about how excited you are to give to this cause. And you know what? Your, your excitement to give for those in need, it's, it stirred them up. They're all excited about, about giving now. But I'm sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove uh, may not prove empty in this matter so that you may be ready as I said you would be so Paul said listen So here's what I'm doing. I've heard about your excitement I know you're excited, but I'm gonna send some of the, the the team ahead to make sure that you know Hey, we're coming to collect this offering and here's the reason why otherwise if some of the Macedonians come with me and find that you're not ready Then we would be humiliated Be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident so I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on uh, ahead to you and arrange in advance for this gift that you've promised so that it may be ready as a willing gift not as an exaction so he says this is what I'm doing I'm going to send some people ahead make sure that you're ready to give to this cause because you've been talking about how you're ready to give you've been talking about how you're excited since last year and we've been talking about how much of a blessing that is your eagerness to give and so when we get there we want to be able to receive that offering and it doesn't seem like something oh no well, I guess we got to give now. We weren't ready for it. No, we don't want that to be that way. We want it to be something that you've said it is, and that's a willing gift. This is the point in verse 6, he says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whosoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Here it is. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. And here's the reason why. Because God loves a cheerful giver. You know what that word cheerful means? The Greek word is hilaros. That's, that's the Greek word. 
hilaros. It is exactly where we get the word hilarious. So read it like that. God loves a hilarious giver. I say, what? Yeah. In our giving, God wants our heart, the posture of our heart and the desire of our heart to be, I am so excited to give. This is so awesome. I am so, so thankful that I can give this. God loves that kind of giver. And he's able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound, listen to this, in every good work. God can give to you. God can make everything in your life increase. He can do all those things so that you will increase in every good work. As it is written, he's distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. There's nothing that God can't give to you that you stand in need of. That's how God is given. He who, and he goes on to explain, he who supplies seed to the sower and breed, uh, bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. See, as you turn around and give the blessings that God has given to you, God can turn around and begin to increase your life. Not just the physical side, not just the tangible and temporal side, but also the, most importantly, the eternal and the spiritual side. He said, increase the harvest of your righteousness. Verse 11, listen to what he says here. You'll be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way. Which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Did you hear what he says? When God gives to you and you turn around and you give back to God, to others, and you live a generous lifestyle, then God's able to give to you even more. He's able to pour into your life even more, which not only will be a blessing to you, but it will bring praise and thanksgiving to God's name. Think about that. You don't think that there are souls around the world who have been saved through a missionary's efforts that aren't praising God for people in America who have given to that cause? We've heard the testimonies. When people say, we're going to give, you don't think that people even in our own area uh, don't hear the gospel and, and, and when they get saved, think, praise God for somebody who is willing to share, give up their time, give, up the, give the gospel that they freely received, give even, even uh, finances to make sure that these things are done. He says, for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it's also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. See, it's not just doing the actual physical work, but it's bringing praise and glory to God. Much like the Corinthians, I believe we as an American church are enriched in every way. God has blessed us in so many areas of our lives. And therefore, we are to be giving just as he has given to us. Freely, generously. And that's in every way. Spiritual giving, physical giving, serving, doing, and financially giving. So a lot of times people will have no problem at all with saying, I can give my time. Some people say, oh, I don't have time, but I can, I can do this work, I can do that. But anytime we start talking about finances, it's almost like, well, no, not for everybody. But for some, it's like, oh, they just, they're out for our, our money. Listen, sadly, there are times that we consume blessings like entitlements. 
We consume the blessings that we have even in this nation and they become God's. And we forget that they are actually blessings from God himself. And that he's given to us, not just for us to consume and to to store up and build bigger barns and and then be able to sit back and say, soul, relax, just like we saw the, the wicked rich man. But he's given to us so that we can give just as he gave to us. See, when we understand this principle of generosity and giving and that it is truly more blessed to give than to receive, then man, it, all of it becomes a huge blessing. The Bible talks about how God blesses you when, you when you share with what he's given you. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. So well, what will God be pleased with when you live a generous life? Faith and a generous life. That's what we see in Scripture. It's impossible to please God without faith. And right here, these are the sacrifices that please God. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, the one who's taught in the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So let us not lose heart in doing good, because in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary. So then a while we have the opportunity, let's do good, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. And again, we should be looking for opportunities to be a blessing to others. We should be looking for ways that we can love and serve and give and, and live that life that's pouring out. So when we look at these things, giving to God, even considering things like financially tithing, or giving to others, or serving others. These are vital elements as the people of God. Matter of fact, we see in Scripture, these are marks of the people of God. We give because we realize He gave to us first. Someone says, no, 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 no. I don't mind the time, I don't mind doing some stuff, but I worked hard for my money. And I'm not giving any of that money to, to that church or to others. Especially not 10% of my money. Here's some questions I would encourage you to consider. How much of your heart function and brain function, and, how mu- and most importantly, how much of your eternal life did you earn yourself? <clears throat> because without heart function and brain function, you have nothing to earn. You have nothing So how much of your heart function and brain function and how much of your eternal life did you earn by hard work? None. Say, yeah, my brain function because I went to school or I learned this trade and I learned this job. and No, no, no. Where'd that brain function come from? I would secondly ask, how did you have the abilities to work? What about the opportunity to work in this country? Everybody knows there's, a, there's this big debate in politics today and in our country about immigration. Why are people trying to get here? Opportunities. See, none of these things we created for ourselves. We were blessed with them. There's nothing that I did to say, I'm going to be born in America. God gave me that blessing. God gave me that favor. There's nothing that I did in and of myself that differentiated myself with normal brain function and normal heart function from somebody 
who has a mental or physical handicap. I did nothing to do that. It was a blessing that God gave to me. You're sitting there today with normal brain function, with normal physical capacities, because God gave you blessings like that. You didn't earn them. You didn't work hard for them. God gave you that blessing. Again, versus being born in a third world country, all God's grace, all God's plan. And we have to remember that principle to whom much is given, much is required. This morning, I want us to be mindful of our blessings. I want us, I want us to be understanding the blessing it is to give. See, so when you actually give with a cheerful heart, when you expect nothing in return, ex- except knowing that giving is a blessing to you, you truly experience that blessing, that, we, that, that truth, that reality that we sell all ago. Truly, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, I'm not looking to make anyone feel bad. I'm not looking to make anyone feel pressured. I'm not, I'm not doing any of that. I'm simply trying to preach what we see in Scripture. And what we see in Scripture further is that our priorities, our passions are revealed by our investments. What we spend our time on, what we spend our, our, our abilities on, what we spend our money on reveal what's important to us. Right? We all want to make sure that we have that head, that, that, that roof over our head. We all want to make sure that there's going to be food to eat, there's water to drink. All these things are necessities. All these things are temporal necessities. They're important to us. And so what do we do? We, we got to make sure that these bills are paid in our life so that we have these necessities. But we got to remember they're all temporal. Is that the main thing? Is that life? Is that what God has us on this earth for? To simply pay bills for temporal necessities. And then beyond that, to be able to have some fun with, with some other stuff. Again, this is a Jesus principle. He shares it in Matthew chapter 6. Don't value and store up the, etern- the temporal over the eternal. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where there's moth and rust and they destroy and where thieves, thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, your tr- for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The eye is the lamp of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. If the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And listen to what he says in verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. In your notes, you have these, these, these points written down. Giving reveals the heart. That's what we see. You either are serving God or you're serving money. Sometimes it's not that. Sometimes it's serving yourself, or sometimes it's serving uh, an ambition, serving a job, or which in turn is money. But giving reveals our hearts. Back in Luke chapter 12, the parable of the rich man, along with Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, right after both of those examples, you know what Jesus says to the listeners? Don't be anxious about the temporal necessities. You can read it when you get time. Right after this, he says, don't, he says it like this. If your father clothes the, the flowers of the field and, in, and he takes care and feeds the sparrows, how much more are you than these? How much more? Do you not know that God will take care of your physical, your, your, your temporal needs? He will. So don't focus on worrying for those things. It's interesting. Again, giving reveals the heart, but also giving is an expression of trust. 
right? If we really believe that God has blessed us and we really believe that God will provide for us and we really believe that we are the children of God, then when we look at giving, we're saying, you know what? I trust God. Give my time, give my talent, give my treasure. I trust God. He gave it all to me anyways. It's all his anyways. So to give back a portion to him or to others and to others is an expression of trust, but it's also an expression of gratitude, right? What does it say when we don't give back these areas to God? I believe it says, that's right, God. This is mine. So many people miss the blessings that are in the giving. Joseph knew that God had brought him to this place. Joseph knew that God was the source of the blessings, even through difficulty. And he gave to him. And so Joseph turned around and gave what he was blessed with. Listen, tithing, giving, it goes all the way back to the garden. Or outside the garden. Cain and Abel, right? It also goes into the the principles for living in wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce, everything you have. And when you do that, your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. This morning, what does your giving reveal about your heart? Is it clear that you view your blessings as entrustments? And is it clear by your giving that you value the blessings that God has given to you as blessings from God. See, our, te- our giving of temporal things should reflect our view or our value of eternal things. So when I see that, that I only have a limited amount of time, when I see I only have a limited amount of treasure, when I see that I'm limited in my abilities and, and I want to use as much of those resources I can for God, that shows that I value the eternal things over the temporal blessings that I have. Our giving, again, reflects that. I I want you to understand something. I'm not out for your money, and you need to know something. God is not out for your money. God owns it all. Again, he's the source of the blessings. God could care less about our American money or any kind of foreign money. He, he, He doesn't want that. God's concerned about our hearts. God's concerned about where our trust is. And if that's your thought, that that I'm out for your money, God's out for your money, I want to say this with love this morning. You are completely missing the point of giving. You're completely missing it. God wants to bless you even more in the giving. That's not a prosperity gospel. It's not a, you you put money in and God's going to give you money back. No, we already read what, what Paul said, that he may increase you in every way. There are sometimes blessings we receive because we are not controlled by physical blessings. Remember, giving is a blessing. I'm about about done, but I just, I want to encourage you. How blessed do you feel when you're given to? Right? It feels good when somebody gives to you. A hug, a gift, prayer, a kind word. Whatever, buys your lunch. It's nice. It it feels nice when someone gives to you. But ask yourself this morning, am I a blessing that only gets, am I a vessel that only gets poured into? Or do I also pour out? 
Maybe the Lord would pour more into you if you were also pouring out. Matthew, Malachi 3, I'm not going to read all of it this morning for time. Verse 10, though, it says, Bring the full tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house, that the, that the house of God, the temple of God, will be taken care of, and thereby put me to test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. Again, the, the, the nation of Israel was, he said, you're robbing me. And they say, how are we robbing you? Because you're holding back these offerings that I told you that keeps your heart in check. See, my heart is to preach the entire counsel of God's word. And throughout the entire counsel of God's word, this principle and command of giving is clear. It keeps our heart and our affections in check. Remember what Jesus said? You can't serve God and money. And the battle for our affection today is still the same. God or stuff or money. I not only want you to be in right standing with the Lord, but I want you to live in favor. Know this, that even in poverty or in riches, this principle of giving never changes. And so you're here this morning and say, listen, are you talking about giving? You're talking about money. I don't mind this or that, but I don't have money to give. In Luke chapter 21, Jesus tells a story the Bible tells a story about those that were putting their gifts in the treasury and he saw a poor widow putting in two small copper coins. Two small copper coins. And Jesus makes a lesson out of her. And he says, this is a truth. That woman, in verse 3, the poor widow has put in more than all of them. And these people were just dumping in money. They were, at, they were, they were giving that. And, and, and so he says, because they're giving out of their surplus. They have extra. And so they're giving and they're making these large offerings. But this lady came along and she gave out of her poverty. She put all that she had in. So, so what was, how, how was she giving more? Because it was where her heart was. He said, I don't give because I can't afford to give. I'm telling you this, you're missing blessings if you're not giving. I'm not just talking about your money. I'm talking about your time, your talent, and your treasure. You're missing blessings if you're not doing. You, you say, well, I can do this and do that. No, listen. We talk about all the time, we were talking about this morning about sacrifice. Sometimes I say, well, I'll, I'll sacrifice a Starbucks drink so I can give to missions. Sacrifice a Starbucks drink, you know? I'll sacrifice a, a lunch eating out one day and, I, and I'll, give to, I'll give to the church so we can have electricity. Like sacrifice? Our idea of sacrifice in America is a little bit different. This lady had every, all she had to live on, the Bible says, and she gave it to the Lord because it was where her heart was. This morning, how do you give? Her heart was to give out of love and gratitude. The other people were doing it out of duty, obligation, and also a show. As I said this morning, some of you, it may be a sensitive topic, some of you not. If you're, if you're giving in these areas of your life and, and, you, and you enjoy giving, it's a blessing to give, you know these, you experience these truths, and you experience the blessing in the giving. But if you're here this morning and you're struggling in this area, the enemy's trying to pull you in a negative way. And I'm simply telling you, God has something better. He has something better. Are you experiencing the great gift of giving? As I said earlier today, 
and the message God gave the greatest gift in giving his son. Are you here this morning and you've never received that gift? You never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I want to say this, there's nothing in this world that compares with that gift. Nothing. And so if you're here and you've never received that gift of eternal life, I'm begging you this morning, don't leave here. Don't walk out that door without talking to somebody about it. You may not make the decision, but at least tell somebody. We got those cards I said in that, in that bulletin. Fill out that card so you know what, I can know a little bit more about salvation. Do it. Don't, don't walk out these doors and chance eternity because you didn't ask. Don't, don't miss the opportunity. And for those of us who have, how are you sharing that gift? Because out of all the giving that we can give, the greatest thing that we can give is the gospel to somebody in need. And if you've been given the gospel, how are you giving it to others? How are you giving it to others? The greatest gift ever. Are you hiding it under a bushel? Are you keeping it to yourself? Are you sharing it with others? Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the blessings in your word. God, you challenge us, you, you encourage us, you teach us, you instruct us. And we thank you for all of it, Lord. We thank you for everything you do in your word, through your spirit. And this morning, I ask that you just move in this invitation. Lord, as we respond now to your word, Lord, help us respond rightly. I pray that if somebody was battling this idea of giving, even in, in a financial way, or maybe they're battling giving you more time, or giving time to others, or serving others, or again, maybe there's people battling in different areas of giving. Lord, I pray that you would show them through this message, your heart, that you want this intimate relationship with them, and a relationship goes both ways. We aren't just to expect from you and to receive from you all the time and never return. That's not a real relationship. And so, God, I pray you move now as we respond. We'll praise you in Jesus' name.